You know, we do this every time on the protectors and I got to stop doing it. We have an awesome pre-interview. We start getting into topics. And then, you know, I was talking to Sal and Sal's like, hey, look, I came from the military. I'm in the business world. Then boom, I'm in this trafficking world. And it's like, whoa, Sal, welcome to the show, brother. Welcome to the protectors. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. We appreciate it. Now you have an excellent background for what you're doing. You're hunting, you're tracking, you're going after real, truly evil people that came from being in the military. How did you, let's get that 30,000 foot overview of your military career and, and why the military in the first place? Yeah, so absolutely. So I'm from an immigrant family. Uh, my dad earned uh, his citizenship. I know that your days work at the border. Um, we're all originally from Ciudad Juarez, right? The border of El Paso, Texas. Um, he earned a citizenship through U.S. Army service uh, when they had that program. So, you know, he kind of started the groundwork for me to serve in the military. And I always had that that feeling that I wanted to do it as well. So I joined the Navy, uh, had the great opportunity to work along special operations forces as an intel guy. And then I went to more specialized school where we were more focused on getting intelligence from human beings through whatever that be. Uh, interrogations or just making contacts out with locals, stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, so like I told you before, you know, I got out of the military in 2014, went to business school, kind of like we all do, uh, got my MBA and then went right into business. And then you kind of stopped using those skills until Deliver Fund reached out and said, hey, we need somebody like you to help us set the groundwork for something that we're trying to do where we embed an analyst that has your skill set to help law enforcement track human traffickers at, at a high level with the training you have. Um, and you can't say no to that. You know, we, we always leave and there's always that sense of service that you miss and that brotherhood, sisterhood, and then, you know, to have the opportunity again. So that's why I rushed right back into it. And to have that new mission. I mean, Absolutely. like a real mission. You know, for everybody out there, um, Sal kind of glossed over his intel background, but Sal was all source intelligence. All source deals with everything. SIGINT, meaning signal communications, communication, uh, comment, human. And when we talk human, you're really going to key on human today. That's when you're dealing with actual people. I tell people all the time, you can never put anybody in jail sitting behind a keyboard. But, 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 but with Deliver Fund, you could help put people in jail behind a keyboard. That is part of human. That's part of SIGINT. That's part of the whole Intel spectrum, but using sources, just like you said. So for the audience out there who does understand what a source is, what is a source? Yeah. So a source specifically is someone that you develop to gain information from. For example, at Deliver Fund, we don't get into that type of work. We, we allow because law enforcement should take lead they do take lead. But for example, a law enforcement uh, investigator or agent that's working a human trafficking case could have a source, which means that they have either a victim of trafficking or maybe somebody who's been in trafficking in the past and they're getting information. They're sending them out to get information on potential traffickers or the whereabouts of victims. 
So that specifically is a relationship between a law enforcement agent in this instance and a person who has some type of connection to either a trafficker or a victim and can be the liaison between those two entities. If that makes sense. Oh, it, it makes absolute sense to me. And hopefully everybody out there, if you like, if we're talking about something you don't understand, leave a comment below, shoot me an email. We'll make sure we get that information out there because it's critical that you understand what the mission of Deliver Fund is and what the people are doing. One thing that you're doing that's almost directly related to your military is you're supporting. Now, if you think of like I should say, providing critical support, because that's what you're doing. If you think about you're dealing with a SEAL team or you're dealing with someone in the Special Operations Forces, regardless, Green Brace, anybody, and you're providing them an intel snapshot, they're going to use that to go on and in the military, you know, you're going to kill, capture, do whatever you got to do on an objective. With assisting law enforcement, you're doing the same type of mission. You're providing them an intel packet. And I would like for everybody to realize that Deliver Fund is different than the ones who are doing that direct action, different than the ones that are out there in the field in a vigilante type role. They're out there providing critical support to law enforcement so they can go out there, make their arrests, save the victims, turn them into survivors, and get prosecutions. Law right. enforcement are the only ones that could arrest and get prosecutions. So that's one thing that I really like to stress when we talk. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I think. I think our primary goal, and I always tell people that all of us are too old to do all that cool stuff anymore anyway, so we'll leave that to law enforcement law enforcement agents that are doing it. But yeah, specifically, we're here to support and assist. And on top of that, we're here to provide resources that may not be available to our law enforcement partners across the country. So if they run into a wall from an investigation perspective, and we have a resource that's available that can break that wall then we'll stand in the way and say, hey, let us let us see what we can do and see if we can provide you more leads to close that investigation. Yeah, that's the greatest thing about Intel is like it's that puzzle. That's what I always loved about Intel is finding these little snippets, whether it's email addresses, phone numbers and everything, kind of putting them together and making a map and network and figuring out which way do you go. It's almost like a, a find your own way story. It's uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, it's it's what draws me to Intel. What drew me back is I always talk about the details. And a lot of times, as you know, you know, traffickers are getting smarter and smarter. And as they get smarter, they know that they can hide behind a digital footprint that makes it harder and harder to track them. Um, but what I, you know, what I love about Intel is that, and Deliver Fund, we just, we try we try to stay just one step behind because you can't always be there or they wouldn't exist. Right. Um, but we try to step, we try to stay one step behind them so we can always understand where they're going and we can pick up on the details and follow them as they make those changes. Let's talk about the traffickers and their digital footprints and how they have transgressed over the years. That is kind of where I see the Deliver Fund being like the forefront of this trafficking quote unquote game. Is that it gone are the days where you have the back pages? You still have them. You still have the Craigslist. You still have something like that. But what what are you seeing right now as far as the tactic, uh, tactics, techniques, and procedures of the traffickers themselves? Yeah. So um, one specific example that a good example that I have for you is, and this is a, when we teach our courses. I always tell people that back in the day when you and I grew up, you know, our dad was like, "I'm going to run to the store. I'm going to lock the door." Do not open the door. And that was clear to us. Right. So that was the barrier between us and who's ever on the other side trying to get 
you know, access to what to do whatever it was to us. Well, now I always tell people, picture that as your phone and every app you have on your phone, whether it's Instagram, a dating app is a door that gives access to traffickers. So, yeah, we may not be susceptible because we're not in a bad place. Um, but what we're seeing is that the traffickers, instead of going out and doing your traditional red light district stuff where they still do it, you know, they're running girls out on like, for example, here in Houston, out at Bissonette Street, right, where there's a pimp and then there's victims and Johns are coming by and picking them up. That still happens. But what pimps are doing now is that they're shifting to recruiting online through apps and no longer do they ever have to face, you know, go front facing out at Bissonette Street. So now they're using all types of ads. We just, as I mentioned before, we just had a case where a guy was actually using a dating app. And I don't remember the specific dating app, but that was his method of recruitment. And if they said yes, then he, you know, brought him into the pipeline of trafficking. And if not, oftentimes he sexually assaulted them um, and they ended up catching him. But yeah, it was something where you know, it was unexpected that someone would be recruiting on a dating app. And I like how you say, and I say that too much. I like how you say, it, but it's like, but you are saying a lot of critical things, a lot of things that are kind of right on point, recruiting them. You know, Cara and I had a very good conversation about how these pimps really are master manipulators. They are actually, they're almost the, the anti deliver fund. They're out there actually using digital technology and everything to go and recruit sources for their own illicit means. Can you go into kind of the way they, they're grooming and recruiting that you've yeah, seen? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's important to understand kind of how it works. So people think the recruitment, it means, well, I'm, I would never get on an Instagram and accept a message for someone I didn't know that said I look nice or that, you know, whatever my vulnerability is and they expose it and then they come after me with it. Um, but for example, when I was overseas and I was developing a source, you know, I only had a set amount of time, right? My deployment was nine months, six months, right? The difference between these, the traffickers now is that they do it over an extended period of time. And that time may be two months, it may be two years or three years, but they continue to work at it knowing that, you know, they're vulnerable teenagers, specifically teenage girls, um, women, right, that, you know, will get on and all he has to say is something like, hey, you look really nice, right? And then that's his gateway. And whether or not he recruits you over a, a span of two weeks, two months or two years, it doesn't matter to him because he's doing the same thing to a multiple victims at the same time. So, Think about it to them. To me, it's more of a strategic play, a long-term play. Like, you know, I'll be working seven girls at the same time. And then if one comes through, then they come through. If not, then there's another. Um, so they, they think about it more from a long-term perspective. Yeah, I could see that. And it's a long game for them. And Correct. that's why when, you know, you've been, uh, Deliver Fund's been putting out a lot of infographics. And where you can go out and the police can arrest a John or arrest a purchaser, arrest a scumbag, um, and put their names up everywhere. But unless you actually go and target the traffickers, find them, arrest them, prosecute them, and make sure they see justice is served, um, the, the problem is going to keep going. Because like you said, they are working on multiple victims at the same time. I had a discussion the other day about smuggling. 
a smuggling venture, you're bringing someone across on their own, uh, on their own money. They're paying you $8,000 to come across a border to get smuggled in with trafficking. And that's a one-time thing. That's where I'm getting at. 31 people, one-time things, $8,000, that's a quarter million dollars. If you think about with, with the trafficking world, if he's developing, recruiting, uh, bringing them into a life of servitude, that's multiple, 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 multiple thousands of dollars off of that one victim. So, of course, he's going to play as many women as he can and children, I'm sure, teens, and get them into the game and then make them uh, indentured servants. Because it really, we talk about it all the time, it's slavery, and that's what he's doing. He's, they're not getting them this money. This isn't some sort of type of, hey, you know what? They're out there sex workers. They're going to get money. No, this is his money. Right. Is it hers? Because, you know, there are uh, women traffickers. But yeah, man. Uh, yeah. So so to them, it's it's a value proposition. And I don't separate it away from uh, what someone would do as a business owner. Right. Their proposition, your, your focus as a business owner is to make money and to make a profit with the output that you have. So for them, you know, like you mentioned, they could have multiple sources of revenue, meaning victims. Um, and then what they do is over time, you know, they have a shelf life, unfortunately, as you know, like for our victims, right, where they use them and then they get burned out and they either go to another trafficker or they go independent. And then that pool is always there because they're always recruiting. So, you know, like you said, it's ridiculous amounts of money they're bringing in every year untaxed, right? And then what happens is they only use, you know, what, 10, 10 grand of it when they can be making $100,000 a year to feed, to support that victim. Um, and it's just a vicious cycle. Yeah, a vicious cycle. And like you said, they have a shelf life. What happens to the, the women after this, after that life? That's one thing I never ask. And I, yeah. I want to ask you that. Yeah. So I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert, but the one thing yeah. that deliver fund is developing is a program where it's, it's going to be called thrivers. And what we're doing with that program is giving an opportunity for former victims of sex trafficking to, to play a more active role in the training of not only law enforcement, but to our first responders, specifically medical personnel at hospitals but also just getting the word out to hotels, right? To casinos, to all these places that trafficking happens at. Um, but that's what we're, that's what the aim is. There's a lot of NGOs out there that do really great work and there's an abundance of that. So I will tell you that Jay, there's an abundance of NGOs that are, that exist out there, you know, learn about them in your community, but the, I guarantee you they exist or they'll come in and provide support to those victims when needed. Um, and, and that's one thing I always want to get across too, is if you're a victim, you're listening to this, you're like, Hey, where this, where this piccolo and said, what Sal, what are they talking about? You can become a survivor. You don't always have to be a victim. Now I want to shift focus back to you. Yeah. Military career, grew up in a military family, joined the military, deployed to war zones, deployed all over the world. It's almost clear cut. You have an enemy. You're going to develop sources, whether within and outside that enemy cell to go kill capture and do what you have to do. Now you're get out. 
clean cut MBA student. And next thing you know, you're thrust back, you're thrust into this world that you've never seen anything like it before, because it's not. These are real bona fide people you probably grew up next to, didn't know it. What is it like to really get into that world? What was it like your first time? And you're like, really, this is happening? Yeah. So I think the biggest shock that I had, so my first week uh, being embedded with Hetra, which is a hu- human tra- trafficking task force in the greater Houston area, made up of multiple agencies from a, whether it be federal, local, uh, but Houston's a, an enormous place and a hub for trafficking. Well, I remember my first work with Hetra. I remember going into a John op, which means that undercover female officers were bringing in buyers, right, with ads that they created for themselves. And we had to stop at lunchtime because we didn't have the resources available to arrest as many people as were coming in. We couldn't meet the demand. Um, And that to me was the first time where I was like, I was very shocked because it was a hotel that you and I, or maybe people listening, would would go to and stay, right? It wasn't like what you imagine this like rundown place. It was a respectable hotel with a good reputation and trafficking happens there. They say people come here all the time. That's why we pick these locations. And to me, that was very shocking because I never you know, you're not aware of those things. I mean, I was aware of terrorists because that's what I was trained to do. But when you come home, you know, you know about crime, but trafficking specifically, oftentimes it doesn't cross people's mind unless they're talking about their hometown red light district or whatever it be, but it's everywhere. And that's what was most shocking to me is that it's everywhere. Yeah. I always pictured like the CD motels, the CD this, you know, pay by the hour, but it's not. It really is everywhere. And that's why I see that a lot of the hotel industry is getting into the, the counter-trafficking game or at least the ca- uh, trafficking awareness. Now, when you participated in that op, what were the cops like? What were the the Johns like? What was everybody around there like? I mean, that's a, I mean, you're going into this situation and you're looking around, you're like, okay, this is a hotel, but I'm like, what is it like? What are the the women dressed like, the Johns and everything? Yeah, no, I. so I think... Can you just, what I'm trying to say is, can you distinguish them from everybody else? No, no. I mean, because everybody has this perception that, you know, victims of trafficking or wearing skimpy clothing, you know, the way they picture them out on the red light district, work in the, work in the street. Yes, that happens. Yes, it's out there. But what a lot of people don't understand is that the victims that get caught up in this are not always that they are regular men and women that are being exploited for sex. And so what you think in your mind is like this dress, like cloudy dressed woman, it's not, that's not what it is. Oftentimes it's a regular girl that looks just like a friend that you had in high school or the friend you have now. Right. And then the officers, yeah, like you can't distinguish them. It, it would be like, what was so interesting to me is that during this operation, we, we were also calling in to recruit and a victim of trafficking walked right through the front of the door in the lobby of the hotel. And there was a family checking in at the same time. And, you know, I observed it from one angle and I just saw her walk by family didn't pay attention. 
but that's how close it is, right? You never know who's walking next to you. And that's how invisible, invisible it is to everybody. And that is probably one of the saddest things is because, you know, that could be like a 13, 14, 15 year old girl, younger, older, it doesn't matter. They're being trafficked, walking past a family that's just living her life, going on vacation, doing whatever they got to do, not realizing that that person is going to be used and used and used and abused. Like it's not just sex. It's, it's paid rape. Right. Cause these girls aren't saying, okay, man, I can't wait to be a slave. I can't wait to be, you know, have sex with hundreds of people and give all my money and everything and get branded, get tattooed. And, you know, I, I just, how does that make you feel? I mean, to me, it pisses me off. It makes, well, it pisses me off against a trafficker, but it makes me so sad. Yeah. No, I mean, I think everybody has to think about it from the perspective of we were all a child once, you know, some of us had better upbringings than others, but everybody, in my opinion, is entitled to a childhood that is free of violence from somebody that you don't want it from from anybody specifically, but what happens and the saddest part to me is that they, these victims oftentimes get labeled as prostitutes or they're this, they're that, but you know, they came from a broken, oftentimes a broken place. And the statistics are out there where, where most of the victims are coming from runaways or problem childhood. And they're, they're robbed of the development as young women and young men to become a full grown man and woman, because what happens when they get caught up in the life that that growth stops, right? Because of the abuse, you know, and that's the saddest part to me. And as a father of a son, you know, I don't care who's out there. You've, you've all been kids. Like that's the last thing you want to think about when you think about your upbringing. Like, I don't want to be 13, 14 years old and all of a sudden out on Bissonette street in Houston, Texas, selling my body for sex. I think that's one thing that's very critical and um, is dehumanizing. Yeah. Take that out of the variable. These are human beings, children. And like you said, they're not developing. You can't develop mentally. You know, you and I know what sensitive compartmentalized information is, SCI. Um, they're doing the same thing. They're compartmentalizing that abuse in order to get by. Right. And a lot of times that stunts their growth, their mental growth. I mean, yeah, their body is going to physically grow, but they are mentally stuck. Correct. And if you don't have an outlet for them, you don't turn them into a survivor. I'm afraid that they're going to go down a wrong path and they're not going to survive that much longer after they get out of the game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, that's the good thing about a lot of the NGOs out there is that there is resources, you know, and I want victims to know that, you know, we are on your side. We do this work to get rid of the traffickers, right? That's, that's Deliver Fund's main goal is, we're looking for the trafficker because that's the source of the problem. Um, but yeah, there, I mean, there's hope out there. It's just a matter of, you know, us getting to them first. <laughs> exactly. You all are doing incredible things and that's why I'll support you guys all the time. Now, Sal, how can people support deliver fund? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say, you know, visit our website first and foremost, so you can educate yourself on what our mission is, 
Um, I know Jason and I have spoke about it during the podcast, but, you know, go to the website, deliverfund.org, check out what we do, go through all the tabs, understand where we come from, where our founders' backgrounds are and why this mission is so important to them. But, you know, overall, whether that's through donations, because we are a, a NGO, um, a nonprofit organization, is really just do a good job of educating not only yourself about your local community and the trafficking. You know, that's a big support to us because the more you become aware of what's happening in your local community, I think the more you're going to start understanding that it's a bigger problem than anybody out there anticipated. And it's only getting bigger. Um, And that education of yourself and those around you only help us because the next time you see something that's, that's not right, or you feel that is not right, you're more likely to say something and involve somebody like deliver fund and intervening and stopping a victim from being victimized further. Yeah, I think you you hit the nail on the head there. Is a lot of people want to know, especially when they hear trafficking, people are like, well, how can I help? How can I get in a hunt? How can I get in a hunt? How can I get in a fight? Step one, education. Education, education, education. Find out as much as you can. Your website, perfect for it. Uh, check out the other non-governmental organizations within your, and that's what we're talking about NGOs, non-governmental organizations, yeah. nonprofits within your communities. Check out, there's a lot of, victim shelters out there that are trying to turn uh, victims into survivors. You could help out there. That's one avenue Two, um, check out what your law enforcement are doing. Are they doing a, a law enforcement area? Do you ever want to get into law enforcement? Take that step, apply, you know, it doesn't hurt military another aspect. Hey, you can go Intel, but outside of that, let's talk, we're talking about adults. You could become, you could volunteer vigilanteisms. It looks good on a t-shirt, uh, but it's not reality. You're going to go to jail. The trafficker is not going to go to jail. That person who's a victim out there who you think you're going to be saving is not going to be saved. Like you said, um, information is key. So if you see something, say something. Write down a license plate. Don't intercede. Um, and that's, that's my, I'm off my soapbox now. Would uh, you, anything else you want to add to that, Sal? Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, like you said, you hit it. So, you know, don't take this upon yourself like a vigilante, because if you want to stand in that line, then like Jason said, join the military, join, join your local police force. That's the impact you can make in that from that perspective. But for us as civilians now, right out in the world that are trying to make an impact to stop human trafficking, first and foremost, just like myself, I had to educate myself on what's the problem. Like, where is it happening and how can I make an impact? And for us, that's education. And then you can put that that education into practice by either donating to Deliver Fund or other NGOs out there doing great work for victims. And then really get involved in, okay, now I can start telling, you know, my group of friends in my neighborhood about, hey, like, if you ever see this, you know, or most importantly, protect your, your own children from the predators that are on Instagram and all of these um, social media websites that traffickers are using to recruit because they're there. Believe me. Sal, I appreciate everything you and deliver fund are doing. Everybody deliverfund.org. Make sure you subscribe to everything that they're doing and share their message. Not everybody has money. We understand that you may not be able to donate. Uh, but if you are a corporate donor out there, Hey, Hey, Here's a good one for you. Um, 
because it's good optics for you too as well. And I always say that because my head, look, corporations do want to spend money on good things, on great things, but they just don't know where to go. If you are a corporation and you're a business, small business or anything, and you want to donate to a nonprofit, which may have tax implications for you, check out Deliver Fund. But if you can't afford to donate and you're watching this on social media, share their message, like, subscribe, share their message. But I really appreciate everything you do, brother. Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you for allowing us to come on your platform. We really appreciate it as an organization. And yeah, hopefully we get, you know, more advocates on our side that, you know, even if like Jason said, you don't, don't, don't donate, that's okay. You know, we just want you to be aware of what's out there. And so we can start together as a community and as a country addressing a really big problem. And one more piece of homework for the audience out there. This is something new. Not a lot of people do it, but you are a constituent of a senator or a congressperson, someone in the House. If you go to their website, you can actually send them an email and say, hey, you know what? Did you ever hear about Deliver Fund? And they will actually take the opportunity to go and look it up. I know it. I've talked to uh, I've talked to staffers before and they do follow up. So please email your senator, House. They're your representatives and you're their constituent. So please reach out to them and say, hey, you know what? What's going on with trafficking? And by the way, I, I listened to Deliver Fund. Check them out. Yeah. Thank you, man. We appreciate it.